would be an ecumenical matter. Hello and welcome to Ecumenical Matters, the Father's Head podcast. I'm here with Donny Kingston, a young and up-and-coming stand-up comedian. So how are you doing today, Donny? I'm very well. It's nice to be here. Should I do my plug now, as you I've seen well, from yeah. everyone else? I'm currently running the Jester's Comedy Club, which will be relaunching as the Quartz Falls in Lisbon in Hague's Bar. It's the last Friday of every month. And that's as professional as I'm going to be for the rest of the podcast. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so we're doing a bit of another different sort of re-record. Uh, so we're actually in the Parter Bar in Belfast today. Uh, just to sort of mix things up a little bit and see how things see how things go. So we'll try that uh, and see if it uh, see James if it was way too comfortable in his previous setup. We need yeah. to stress him out a little bit from <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah, go, moving to London and doing the recording studio, I can't have that. Either. That's just too. That's just too. It's too easy. Yeah, it's too it, it can't be something you love if it loves you back. Exactly. <laughs> you have to really suffer for everything. We're discussing uh, season two, episode four, the overcrowded whistle theft. Now we have been discussing the episode titles, and for the first time, actually, this is actually a title that describes what's happened in the episode. Yeah, um, I've thought that all the previous titles was if you'd seen the episode, you could if someone told you the title, they would remind you immediately. It was for people that had watched it. It was not for people coming to it. And this title is very different. It. It's something that gives you an idea before it's happened. It's well, uh, you, so you think the old the other titles were like so? If you if I told you that uh, Good Luck Father Ted, you know what episode that yes, is? Yes, that that. It, but if I hadn't seen it, it, it would mean nothing to oh, me. Okay. It was for people. It was for their current audience, not for their new audience. Well, well, this one uh, the the title Old Grey Whistle Whistle Theft is obviously a pun on the Old Grey Whistle Test, which was a BBC TV show uh, in the seventies and eighties where they just played live music. So a band would come on and just play like their their hit just play it live. Now, there, you can still see these on BBC4 and stuff, there's still archive footage of it. And there doesn't seem to be presenters or anything, and from what I can gather, it's just like, you see the studio and the band plays, there's no audience or anything, uh, and they just, like, there's YouTube, there's footage of YouTube playing all their early hits, and there's, you know, Jimmy Hendrix, well not Jimmy Hendrix, but like, you know, that sort of just era. In, just in a room, they've got no audience, no, no And it's just the band playing their instruments, that's all it is. And it's, uh, it's very very low key, but you know, for a lot of these bands, it might be the only footage that actually exists of them. Oh, okay, uh, so, so it would have been a platform for them to get, like, uh, this is what I've done for the BBC. Well, exactly. Without yeah. it costing the BBC a massive amount to pay for a presenter. Well, uh, and then the other thing is the BBC, uh, they, instead of paying royalties to play music on the radio stations, they would just use whatever they'd use to record okay. their bands. So instead of using YouTube recorded track, they would just use the... Uh, so the BBC would go and get them while they're not famous and mm -hmm. then will not have to pay it for it when yeah, they are. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the old grey whistle theft, which involves, as the title explains, uh, a theft of an old grey whistle. And uh, it's, for me, uh, I just watched it a couple of hours ago. Uh, I didn't think it would be a top five contender, but I'm very much back in the... Back I in hadn't contention. seen this episode for a very long time, like I mentioned before, and a lot of it, I got a lot more of the jokes this time, yeah. and it was a lot more entertaining, and there's a lot more moments in it than a lot of other episodes where they have that one moment. There's so many through this, with so many characters, normally each episode will give one character their shining moment in the light. Exactly, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. The fact that they had so many different like standout moments that you could just isolate and play in a clip. Like it could just be a YouTube clip on its own. Like it happened seven or eight times. Uh, Mrs. Doyle, um, you know, waving up or anything with Father Demo or, you know, Jack and the picnic table. Yeah. Like there's so many. I mean, I, I write down the time codes for clips that I want to use later on and, I, you know, I've Spoiled for choice. Yeah, most of the episode, like, there's one minute 
a very genius. similar issue when I was taking my notes of something I wanted to talk about I was I, I, I filled almost a page an entire page worth with the smallest writing I can read nice, when nice. last a couple of nights ago I did a gig and I filled this tiny box of things I wanted to talk <laughs> about but this this episode had so much to offer it was really good it, it is it's, it's absolutely brilliant um, so well let's go right into it then uh, so the first thing that happens uh, as we open is that they're, they're actually gossiping away so he's already having an affair with the sister and this is when his wife is seriously ill in the hospital wow <laughs> incredible isn't it <laughs> so who does he make pregnant but the babysitter <laughs> so now he doesn't know whether to stay with the wife the sister or run off with the babysitter <laughs> and when's his next confession Tuesday <laughs> something I thought priests did and my mother said they didn't well, they're, they're, not to, they're not supposed to gossip about what happens in the confessional. The whole point of the confessional is the one place where you can go and absolve yourself of your guilt or your what you think your sins are in a safe space where uh, what you say will never be repeated. And that's the ideal. And it has you know it's came up numerous times in over history in you know the legal systems and stuff because should this testimony of a confessional be allowed to be if he says he's going to kill someone. Should the priest tell someone? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, is <And> the answer. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I suppose that goes to the very depth of your spirituality, I suppose. Yes, I mean, uh, it's shallow. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. I mean, I, I don't know, to be honest. If I mean, it's, it's, it's bad that one person, yeah. as in the parish priest, has all this information. It's an awful decision for him to make. I yeah. don't envy that. Well, it's for him to have all the towns, you know, the secrets and lies in his own head. I mean, but on the on the plus story. side, he gets the stories that Father Ted and Dougal are talking about. Once he can laugh about. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so you it? have you have legal privilege and you have doctor-patient confidentiality and stuff. Yeah. So these concepts are not entirely isolated to the priesthood, like, but it does elevate the priesthood to that stature. So you know they have, uh, you know, it does put them on that pedestal. Then, yeah. and whether or not you, you think the church should should have that sort of pedestal that's something when I was much younger um, my mum would always go to church and she confess but I I didn't I I had no interest in have you ever been to a confession Uh, I've been with my mum and she did a confession but I never never did one myself (laughs) no the first confession is one of the sacraments so you're supposed to do that when you're about seven well I I did like when I was in primary school did so basically you go in and you have the box and you say oh I'm sorry for kicking Jenny in the, sh- in the shins. It could be like a penance of like two Our Fathers and ten Hail Marys, and then you'd be on your way, and suddenly you were absolved of everything. That, that's the part I really didn't like um, when my mum said you should do this or I recommend you do this because she never forced me into any of it. I right. was convinced. I I didn't see those as you know people who of God. I saw them as people I was telling my secrets to, who in turn would tell other people because that's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> and and Father Ted confirmed that for me. Well, it's, it's good. It's good to know the show is is, uh, is helping bring people to the faith. Uh, but I mean, I've never went as an adult. In fact, I, I think I only went to confession twice. So once as I said the first time, and then the second time about nine months later. And even the fact that like when you go back, you will say. Well, the first time you go, this is my first confession, uh, and then uh, when you go back, it's been nine months since my last confession, and immediately you already feel bad about the fact that it's uh, so long since your last one. So if I go back now and say it's been 21 years since my last confession, uh, if you lied, would they know? 
He lied. Well, that's what the purpose of going there to absolve yourself of your sins. Your, your first confession, yeah, the first thing you actually confess is, oh, by the way, I lied to you about my confessional was. Uh, can you give me a quick heel right for that just so we can get that off my chest? Uh, but I don't know, if, if you went back and you said it's 21 years, they'd probably have to, we were chatting with my husband last night, they'd probably have to just jump out the confessional door and say, right, everyone's cancelled, I've got a serious one here. <laughs> I left the cat outside. Um, yeah. <laughs> but would you go to confession when you've done something really bad, or when you just those that time you went with the nine month gap? Was it just because you did something really bad? No, no, no. You just no. felt uh, the need. I can't. I can't actually remember what inspired me to go back. I think it was just sort of. Uh, Somebody mentioned it and I thought, oh yeah, should have better. <laughs> um, like, what could you have done as a natural? I mean, that terrible. Yeah. Like, it was. I think it was that point. It was just getting the idea of you've got to tell people the bad things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to hear what the worst things are in a professional. Like, what? Interesting and terrifying at the yeah, same yeah. time. But let's let's hear what Father Ted. Yeah, <laughs> his confession. Well, he heard about the uh, he heard about all the babysitting and the, the all the affairs going on. It turns out it was uh, Mr. Benson. Yeah, so. who's the victim of the whistle thefts. So that was a nice. That came around nice yeah. uh, little circling. Uh, every I, when I, I watched a few episodes of Father Ted while getting ready for this, it sort of just went on a binge as you do. Yeah. But um, I realised that even the smallest of conversations or utters are important to the whole storyline not key but they are involved in some way which yeah. is it, it makes it again something I didn't notice when I was younger but as an adult I've noticed wow this is a really nice rounded off story nothing was pointless <laughs> yeah they do, they do, it's really really tight like they do every thread is tightening the plot a little bit more like and it's uh, you know everything comes in so rounded I did it uh, the last week's episode, which I haven't actually, uh, the ones that recorded last week, which I haven't released yet, uh, Mrs. Doyle's story felt a bit unfinished, I will say that, but for the most part, I mean, every beat is just so tight and so, uh, you know, as they, everything comes around full circle. And it does help that, uh, you know, Mr. Benson comes to Father's Head <laughs> yes. with the specific, uh, specific purpose of getting him to divulge if anyone has his best in the confessional. And that is a wonderful moment later <laughs> on in the episode. And then uh, Dougal just spills the beans. It's like, so, uh, here the babysitter's pregnant. <laughs> Dougal and Damo, I think in this episode more than any other, they take the junior priest so literally, as in Hugh asked a child, what's a junior priest? It's a it's a priest that's a child isn't it yeah and yeah. that is the entire episode it is in every other episode but they do they they show as much as possible in this episode yes they do uh, i mean well the junior priest as you say the actual title is a catholic curate so you got the parish priest to be ted and the catholic curate and there is a title for the order so the retired priest i can't remember what it is uh alcoholic well, <laughs> jack didn't think there'd be any of the alcoholic buffoon but um but yeah, so Father Damo, let's chat about him. He's played by Joe Rooney, and again, played to an absolute T. Yes. It, absolutely perfect. I mean, he just got across that sort of uh, rebellious, sort of, you know, stick back hair with a, with a little bit of highlighting. Yeah. Perfect mid 90s. It boy. felt like he had a 14 year old he was taking care of for a short amount of time and wanted to 
prove a point to him and show him all the things he was doing to the absolute extreme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was... And the way Dougal looked up to him, I mean, it, it is so, it was so perfectly in character that Dougal would see this guy. Uh, he's like, oh my god, he's so cool, and everything he says, Dougal's totally on board with. Yeah. And I'm sure you remember as a kid when I certainly do. You know, when you're seven or eight or something, and there's just the, the older guy. Yes, he doesn't have to be two years old, he just has to be a couple of months older, and he is God. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and he would lead you down any, any lead you astray. And, he, and he, uh, I don't know about you, but when you're bad influence, he would show you all these new things, i.e., oh, you know, this is what happens when you're not at school and you skip school yeah. together and it just blows your mind. You're just like, yeah. oh my God, I didn't... So the <laughs> I didn't know there was this many hours in the day. I didn't. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, going back to the start of the episode, you mentioned uh, Mrs. Doyle, and I felt incredibly bad for Mrs. Doyle throughout this entire episode. Uh, all I saw was that Stockholm Syndrome taken to the like the the worst case of Stockholm syndrome. She is there to serve them and loves it. Yes. But can't quite do it right. No, <laughs> I, I was just thinking that uh, it's like she is she is so eager and so yeah. determined to be the best possible uh, you know housekeeper but she's just totally <laughs> awful at it. I mean she has she has these moments where you know her energy is completely wasted or misplaced yeah. because she'd stay up all night for three years. What are you doing up? Oh, I always stay up, Father, in case one of you needs a cup of tea. <laughs> How long have you been doing this? Oh, about three years now. <laughs> but we never get up at night, Mrs Doyle. Well, you're up now, aren't you, Father? Unless I'm hallucinating from lack of sleep. <laughs> That's happened before, all right. No one will know until... <laughs> but she just forgets yeah. that one the specific request was not to make egg sandwiches, and she made yes. two uh, bags worth of egg sandwiches. The first bags for life I think I ever saw. Yeah, yeah, that's what actually, I thought when I saw them. Those yeah. are bags for life before bags for life existed. Yeah, because you would have thought like she would have a basket or something. Like, uh, yeah. But yeah, that was a proper bag for life. That's not yeah. going to like, you could get. tear up after a few months. <laughs> no. that's gonna, that's gonna, it's probably still yeah. intact. She's probably still using it to this day. <laughs> But she probably keeps the uh, the entire southwest of Ireland bakery industry in uh, yeah in, in good occupation. stead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because she, she just makes all these sandwiches. Uh, nobody has any intention of eating I, any sandwiches. Yeah. I think when Mrs. Doyle retired in this fictional world, all those bakers just went, "Oh my goodness." I just want <laughs> I think it's it for us guys. Yeah. <laughs> Our company's been open for the past fifty years solely of this one woman. Yeah. <laughs> we better get the, better get Tesco on the phone again. Looks like we're gonna have to move in, lads. <laughs> yeah, so Dougal um Dougal's all all prepped up for this uh for this picnic as well. He's he's really excited and he's loves the egg sandwiches, but then he just remembers, oh I can't actually I have to go somewhere. Am I immediately chocolate was what would Dougal have to do? And yeah. then, of course, as soon as the the, uh, the bell goes, the doorbell, and Father James was sitting there, he's like, "Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> he's been a play date." Do you want to call it that? Yeah. Run out like a child. That's perf- the, the, it was the shove past. It was. It's something you couldn't get. I personally, I couldn't do it. And you being an actor, getting into the mind of a child that is rambunctious, doesn't care about anything else. Yeah, it's, it's the face of him when he yeah. actually barges past Ted with the football in tow, with his tongue out and just a smile of glee. It's like, oh yes, he's here. He's like a little dog just when a woman comes home. Just, and he doesn't even realise Ted's there. If he does, he's just just straight out the back of him. Like, and uh, yeah, they go out and play football, and you can see at the end. Yes. Yeah. 
They've actually some nifty techers. <laughs> yeah, so they've got they've got some moves. And yeah, exactly. I have to say, Demo's incredibly accurate when it comes to hitting. He, uh, in the end credits, he hits Dougal with the ball <laughs> uh, with some distance, and I I thought that was incredibly accurate for an end credit scene. Yeah, <laughs> he must he must dabble in his own free time. <laughs> but he, he's, he's really probably got nothing else to do in the film part. Well, him and his Frosty, his uh, Catholic curate, Frosty, Frosty. Oh, Father uh, Frost, <laughs> Father, sorry, Father Frost, of course. Uh, they are on holiday in Craggy Island. I'm sure you can find pick a better business. Yeah, than anywhere. Um, yeah, <laughs> Craggy Island is is something. It, the whole time I was watching it, it was like this is an Irish version of Mad Max. Yeah, like, <laughs> just, just, just a bad bad road, wasteland of just cement yeah. and grey. That's all it was. It, it was just it was it's as bad as it can get without being completely inhospitable. Yeah, um, which yeah. is shown really out in the picnic area, which is rock. It is flat rock. I don't. I really love to know where they actually find that area because it's not somewhere I recognise. I have been down that part of the country when I was a kid, like. But I wouldn't say I. I don't think I could find it, but um, well, I find it in my memory. I haven't been to places like that, but it was. It was a downscale Giants Causeway it was the depressing Giants Causeway yes, exactly. <laughs> that's what I saw well, um, yeah it was just like you think if the, if the ground is that flat and rocky eventually over you know evolution erosion yeah or <laughs> Dougal's favourite subjects uh, eventually soil would have you know settled over the rocks and you would have had grassland but, but it seems almost intentionally like someone's put work into that being an awful place to yeah, be. Just, just the, the most worst picnic place. And the sign, I don't know if you saw it, uh, at the picnic area had the most interesting things you couldn't do. I did go <laughs> down a few of them actually. Did you remember a few of them? Um, I, you got the first two no swearing, no. No paddling? No paddling, because that wouldn't have been an option at all. Well, yeah, that wouldn't be much of an issue. Cause felt like if you sent there. a child into that water with paddling it, you wouldn't have gotten it back yeah <laughs> it wouldn't have enough paddling and sort of uh, collecting on a riptide halfway to Newfoundland at this point like yeah and no single ladies which was adhered to yeah <laughs> that was like one of my that, one that tickled me <laughs> yeah. uh, that reminded me of the Beyonce song I just wanted her and her dance crew to come up see the sign and then just bow their heads in depression and walk away (laughs) (laughs) or be attacked by the man with the whistle or Mr. Benson (laughs) yes Um. (laughs) Uh, but there's no free climbing either so even though it's all tired flathand you're not going to climb and no loitering so (laughs) the the sole idea of picnic area you can't do (laughs) (laughs) you cannot loiter there was a few other ones but and they were out of focus. I couldn't get yeah, any of them. We watched it on all, on all four. I was watching the PlayStation. I watched it on all four um, at my mum's house because I no longer have the internet. And uh, I, I, my contract expired a couple of like a week before. Um, I said I'd do this, oh, and no. I was like, I'm gonna have some real hard times. Yeah. I watched it twice in my mum's house before oh, she told me to well. leave. You <laughs> still, still got the, uh, still got the work done. Last time, yeah. Uh, we watched it on PC or PlayStation. Uh, it was on Sky, just the Sky All Four. They've got it on. Oh demand. right, okay, right. Um, well, on the PlayStation version, I don't know if it's like this in the Sky version, but they seem to have framed it incorrectly. Like they've got the they've got the aspect ratio all wrong. So when the title uh, of the episode came out, the old grey whistle theft, the O from old and the FT from theft weren't actually fitting on the screen. Oh, okay. There's a few times when you only see like half of the person's face who's to the side of the screen. When I remember clearly being able to see a whole. 
I'm sorry, James. I have a much higher standard of viewing than you with my sky it's in my mum's house. <laughs> you don't have that, uh, you don't have no, I didn't have that issue. It was okay. Well, if you're listening, all four, get your places sorted. <laughs> if we did skip across a part, which I when I watched, I was, it was another joke that I just completely didn't get. Uh, Father Ted phoning uh, the other priests to meet up at the picnic area. Oh yes, Larry Duff, uh, his third appearance now, and it's his third and fourth episode, so he's, get, he's really, uh, he's really hitting stride here. Hello, uh, hello Ted. Hello Larry, how are you? Ah, grand, a bit of a problem though. We mightn't be able to make the picnic. Ah, oh, God, Larry, why? Oh, uh, well, you know, Father Williams, who was driving us over. Billy, yeah, what about him? Yeah, well, they found a big box of machine guns in his house. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have thought he'd be interested in that type of thing. Ah, yeah, well, you think you know someone. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Yeah, yeah bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> so this time, he doesn't actually come to any harm for, for once. No, so somebody else does. <laughs> he comes up Larry off, because as we know, he's terrific fun. Yeah. Uh, but he's a... Uh, is it and a few of the lads from St. Columns, so I take it that's uh, it's either a parish or a, you know, I think the house of priests or whatever. Or, but they get held up at a, che- a guarded checkpoint, yes, because uh, Father Bigley had all those machine guns in his boot. And we find out later in the episode that they were on their way to Iraq, so yeah, uh, <laughs> he was proper, uh, you know. But that that ramble of what Father Bigley had done went from possible arson because he doesn't declare, he just says because of those fires, yeah. to trafficking guns in the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of this episode, he is, he's built up quite a rap but, sheet. Yeah, but he, he starts off where he's just a bit of an eccentric priest who yeah. maybe has a bit of pyro tendencies <laughs> to write up to the like, top ten the FBI wanted list. Like, uh. yeah, it's, it's an amazing leap for him, and considering he's in the episode for all of maybe five seconds yeah. before... He comes to possible harm, <laughs> depending on that guard's accuracy. Well, it, it seems to be, yeah, he's very determined to make sure he got the shots away anyway, so... Uh, I, that was a joke that I remember when watching as a kid on VHS, because my mum got them, and it was something that I couldn't talk to about my friends in school. They had no interest in Father Ted. It was something right, that okay. just... I mentioned maybe twice in school, trying to be one of the cool kids watching something on TV. And I got nothing. <laughs> well, you are a bit younger than most of our guests so far, so just go back to where, what, when you were watching Father Ted. This year, I would have watched Father Ted, maybe starting watching Father Ted on VHS, and only just a couple of episodes. I, mean, I think we got two episodes per VHS. Right. Um, at the ages of maybe seven or eight, or around there, I can't really remember. This, was this in England? Um, on, or was it? I have no idea. <laughs> is your mum Irish? Is she? Yeah, she's right, very okay. Irish. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were living in London, and um, when we'd watched them the first few times, um, I tried to talk about it in school. Nothing. Nobody Just that I was a weird kid again. <laughs> uh, and I remember watching that and going, "Wow, that's really dramatic for." police to be doing. Yeah. I didn't get any of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in the mid-90s, I had a Garda, well, a Garda checkpoint. There's the only reason I say it's a Garda checkpoint because it was re-signed yes. in Garda. But their uniforms they suggested did, otherwise. Well, they definitely suggested heavy military, which Ireland doesn't really have the heavy military. Yeah. Uh, but those those kind of scenes were not uh, unheard of at all in the yeah. mid-90s. Uh, you know, I can remember being on uh, army checkpoints and stuff, we did have similar ones, and you would, you'd see a corner eye to be a sniper just 
buried in a hedgerow somewhere. And uh, you know, if you happen to be in the wrong colored car, they would stop you, they'd get you out, and they'd want uh, everyone to sort of sit and uh, you know, hands to the bottom and stuff until they search everything. Uh, so it has, yeah, my dad's been stopped like that a few times. It's those parts of history that don't make it over to the mainland at all. Yeah, those yeah. that the civilian sort of lifestyle never makes it over to the mainland. And when I taught, like when I did history in school, I talked to my cousins on almost a monthly basis. And I, when I was doing history in school and I was telling them about it, it blew their minds. Yeah, <laughs> well, I can imagine. I mean, uh, my cousins lived over in London and um, they were living in Hackney. Now, Hackney is a, it's a more ethnic area, I suppose. Yeah. And um, so there wouldn't be that many Irish people. There was a sort of tiny sort of pocket of Irish population. But yeah, like, they were saying like nobody shared about any of this stuff. And there is, like, I've spoken to people, like, when I went to uni over there, um, assuming they were all sort of au fait with at least the, the yeah. level of the issue. Yeah. They have absolutely no idea. Yeah, it's something that uh, they know the IRA, they, yeah. they know the British Army were here and they did bad things, but yeah. that's as far as it goes. They, they don't know the day-to-day life of someone yeah. who lived in Ireland during those times. And that joke, when I first saw it, was just like, I, it, I, was, I didn't understand. I was like, I, I, th- I think it's funny because it, it's very extreme, yeah, but I didn't just, know that that was what yeah, could possibly happen? No, exactly, exactly. I mean, it was just a strap of the game for a point yeah. and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I went to Reformum, that's where I went, I did my foundation. So as soon as I turned 18, I went over there. And there was one other guy who I knew from OMA. Was, uh, I was doing the foundation, he was doing a degree. And uh, every time we were in the union and people were asking him, what's, what's another island like? And he, he was a Protestant and everything. We would just sit there and uh, we'd say, oh yeah, we had, to, we had to dodge bullets on our way to school and everything. And you know, if, if the tank ran past you, you had to stop. And if you got run over, it was your fault. <laughs> and just, just make it up this like, absolute war zone. And people were sitting there, oh this. And say, and say stuff like, oh yeah, we were never really allowed to talk to each other because he's a Protestant and I'm Catholic. And like, we had actually already known each other and stuff. So it was, it was just us like, ripping I, shit at him. Had a really good time once. Uh, soon after I moved into Sandy Row with my dad, um, uh, when they still had the other mural up, you know, You're this right, mural now, yeah. <laughs> Ballyclaver and an AK-47, really, really making you have that warm sense of possible death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I sent that picture to my nan. This is like not that long ago, six years. Right, okay, six yeah. years ago not that long ago nothing bad was happening at the time yeah. but it was still up and I sent that picture to my nan and she was practically ready to pay for a flight for me to come back well <laughs> if you saw some of the murals like around yeah. Avenue and stuff and they, they they do ask they ask me but I, I like them it's just like that's a bit of history it, it is it, it's an artifact of Belfast's unique history and there is sort of not a campaign but there is sort of a, a movement to paint over them now. Yeah and I'm I would say I'm against that because in it, principle yeah, yeah I would say I am as well. I understand that yes it's a very it's a, it's not a nice path. It's intimidating. Yeah, yeah it's, it's terrifying. Yeah <laughs> and the whole point of them was to intimidate people yeah. uh, but I do feel that you know we should sort of face up to the fact that this was what it was like uh, and those who forget the past are due to repeat it, if you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's important to remember that they're still there and Northern Ireland's not like that anymore. It's exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not after Brexit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. We'll uh, get into that. that. <laughs> we can't. But we will get into a much more device this year. Brexit, Oasis or Blur? Yeah. Which one do you prefer? Oasis or Blur? Blur. What? Oasis, I, I mean Oasis. 
Oh, Oasis. Because um, <laughs> Father Damo would be very displeased with me if I said otherwise. <laughs> well, are you old enough to remember the Oasis blur? Uh, uh, no, I'm not. That was before my time Oasis at the uh, one. <laughs> they, they sort of won the sort of long run, but I think Blur have sort of won the historically so yes. Oasis won sort of the battle of the I, time they, well, they, definitely, they lost the actual number one battle do you, remember, do you know about this by the way? no I, all I know is that I enjoyed Oasis when I was quite young <laughs> well they, they, they played great songs and yeah. they were just all over the radio and I used to love them as well like, I, I think they won due to exposure they won me due to exposure yeah yeah. <laughs> well see and then the other thing was that you didn't like them too much they were horribly overexposed yeah. like Mumford and Sons has been in the background here like to me, you know, they're getting overexposed and don't particularly like them too much. Like, Definitely. Cool. They've still got their appeal, but um, they there are songs, if I hear it, I go, well, I'm going to switch my ears off for a little bit, yeah. and hopefully it'll be over by the time I switch them back on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whereas Oasis, like, they have, they generally have about 50 to 60 extremely well-known songs that like, people my age now would be able to rhyme off without, without, without question. Like, somebody in the corner with a car sort of playing an album track from Master Plan, you know, their B-sides yeah. compilation, people would know it, some people would be able to sing along. Like, that, the, the sheer penetrative power of their music I I feel that their their power over music has done them a hindrance, especially I'm spending a lot of time in places that are doing live music. I hosted the Vermilion a couple of nights ago, on Friday um, actually, and um, that was fun, but they have, every open mic has the role of no wonder wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that joke in Wayne's World where uh, he's about to play Stairway to Heaven and the guy he just points to the side of the wall. And no Stairway, deny! I, I believe there's a few other more contemporary bands that are getting that same reputation of you can't play that on an open mic because you're upsetting people. They've heard it way too many yeah, times. Exactly, it doesn't matter yeah. how well you play it. Well, it's sort of defeats the purpose of going to open mic and then playing cover versions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Oasis and Blur, they had they actually had a, like a chart uh, standoff, so they actually released singles each on the same day, and it became it became the weekly news. Like every night on News at Ten, they were actually doing a rundown as who was closer to the top. Everyone thought Oasis would win because they were vastly more popular, but Blur actually won it with Country House. Uh, and the thing was, of the two bands, I think it's two of their worst singles. Like that, that's yeah. what they went head to head with. It wasn't Wonderwall or it wasn't Don't Look Back in Anger, and it wasn't you know Blur. It wasn't uh, you know Park Life or anything. It was Country House, which is it's not it's one you hear at all anymore. No, it's uh, not. And they made the song Roll with it, which again, it w- you wouldn't you wouldn't I'm, request Roll with it. Like I heard, I, I do like that song quite a bit, but um, it's yeah, it's like not it, it's not yeah. their greatest hits. It's not it, not nowhere near one of the, It's not it's not in the top half of that album. Yeah. Like it was. You know, that's the right. of that album as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Like. Well, that would... I, I, I think this has happened with quite a few artists. I've heard one of their songs and it's not their greatest song and then I buy the album or download the album and it's all just a lovely surprise that yeah, they're so the much better. <laughs> yeah. Record, like. Well, that's the way it used to be. Now it's like yeah. the only decent songs are the singles yeah. and then the rest of the album is Everything, just yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's garbage. But, uh, obviously, obviously uh, Dougal was more of a Blur fan, but he couldn't no. possibly admit no. this because... Because that wouldn't be cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and demo, like, like again, going back to the mid-90s, like, Oasis were so, so popular in Ireland. They, they've headlined festivals in Ireland. Like, their feel in 95 surely got to be one of the greatest festival lineups of all time. Um, it had uh, Oasis, it had Blur, it had 
Chemical Brothers, REM, uh, Prodigy, like it, you just go all the way down, Elastica, you know, all the way down, it was just hit after hit after hit, and uh, yeah. It, that sounds like a real treat. Yeah, um, and it's like, and, uh, Oasis are at the top of this, and Blur were sort of there as well. But I, I envy your age, but I feel in 20 years that... I'll, I'll be in the same position as you. Well, yeah. I, see, I just missed that because I was only about nine or so at the time, yeah. so I couldn't go to these things. Ah, good. Uh, you were a lot younger than I thought yeah, you were for a minute. I was like, I know, I knew you were older than me by a measure, but I don't know how old. Well, I was thirty now, so I was about nine or ten, between nine and eleven around that time, and uh, yeah, so I wasn't able to. No sneaky. <laughs> if I'd been five years older, I would have caught the tail end of Nirvana. If I'd been five years younger, I would have caught the tail end, of, or would have caught uh, you know. Uh, the strokes and all the libertines and that sort of thing but I struck up caught in the middle between everything and missed it all but well now we have the internet and it's all at our fingertips yeah it's, it's all on Netflix now <laughs> yeah it's on Netflix <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have a meet the maker today did you notice where it wasn't it would have been uh, no it wasn't the sergeant F-U-P-O-F-F football what the fuck are you doing here this is my fucking spot. Get the fuck off. Hit him, Frank. But there's lots of room. Could you go over there? No fucking way. F-U-P-O-F-F. Yeah, fuck off. We come here every fucking Sunday. But this is Saturday. Hit him, Frank. I'll hit him for you. Hey, fucking one, two, and so on, all you fucking bastard. <laughs> yes, the, the crazy couple as I have them down. Um, yeah, do you have any notes there? Yes. Uh, it's just, it's an appearance from Craigie Island's absolute nutcase inhabitants. Yeah. I feel like everyone that lives there by choice is inherently insane and they have a surface level of sanity which makes them, you know, be able to blend into function society, function yeah. as a society. And anyone that's sent there against their will, like Father Ted and a lot of the other priests, that is their punishment. Yes, to deal yeah. with these maniacs that live on yeah, the island. Onto the surface, the first layer of the yes. taken off and they get to see it. Their adherence to the rules, but clearly disregard for Father Ted. Yeah, yeah. To <laughs> yeah it's, it's a weird... There is that sort of person who has a real respect for whatever rules are in place, whatever house rules are there, but just a complete disrespect for the spirit of those yeah. rules. So they, they, they have no no interest in behaving in a so, uh, polite social manner, but they'll yeah. adhere to the rules that are there, so you do behave in a slight polite uh, social manner. Exactly, so as you say, uh, Father Ted asks why they're speaking like this, where they're, they're not saying fuck, they're saying fuck, and they're not saying bastard, they're saying backstard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why they're speaking like this, and he just points to the sign, no swearing. <laughs> uh, so, but they were very, uh, they were very possessive of their little spot yes, right underneath. Yes, and um, not very aware of what day of the week it was. <laughs> yes, because right. they go there every Sunday and Saturdays occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, I suppose it's their spot; they can do what they like. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that was Arthur Matthews. So now Arthur Matthews is three one up on Graham, uh, but. I remember hearing in, a, in, a, uh, in an interview or whatever, anytime they needed somebody to be really, really shouty, they would get Arthur to do it because nobody could shout better than Arthur. And he does come up. He comes across so terrifyingly aggressive. You, I, I'm it's, I was intimidated by yeah. him. Like, I know he's not swearing at me, but I feel like it'd be nicer if he was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> just yeah. get the full brunt of this from both, from both yeah. sides, by the way. It's not just, it's not just the man, it's also the woman. Yes. Hit him, Frank. I hit him for you. She fucking ran as well. She fucking reached you. 
Uh, but apparently, like, Arthur Massey is one of the most civil people you will ever meet. He's just got this capacity to to be really, really aggressive if you need him to, to shout the head of something. He's the person you send in first if you feel like a fight might start and you don't want it to. Yeah. You send him in and everything will diffuse. Yeah, and he'll sort the situation out. So, yeah. I have to say that Mr. Benson on the the island has his little house, uh, his little shack, which I assume is his house because he's sleeping in he's there. sleeping there, yeah. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's really decrepit little bubble he's got yes. for himself. It's barely the size of a prison cell. Yeah. yeah. He'd be lucky to have a prison cell, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would be a step up. Yeah. He'd also have a bed. Um, I mean? And a toilet, and a which toilet, is very yeah. worrying. Well, I suppose he does live on the beach. Yeah, he does right the sea, so he just <laughs> I, I said beach there, that was, um, that was a good, yeah. <laughs> that being very kind to the picnic area. Uh, but uh, you're noticing his house, so. Yeah, um, he's, he's uh, the fact that he, I, he lives in there and when called upon, he behaves in the, again, another member of Craigie Island's na- uh, people that want to live there. Crazy, surface level, normality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, approaches Father Ted and the only way I could look at it was I, it, Father Ted says it later in the episode to Dougal but he approaches him like a crab yeah, <laughs> a forward you, walking crab and they have their Mexican standoff uh, where it, it, it's very underwhelming and Father Ted just has no time for these mad inhabitants of the island it's him enduring his punishment yeah. he says right, he goes through the hall they all just go sod it I'm going home I've no time for you crazy people well, when this is it yeah. in himself he is a bad person which is why he's there well, well, like, he's getting punished for laying the sentence there of course but uh, yeah he was he was settling down just to read his book did you see what the book was? Mel Gibson the life the of Mel Gibson. Times of yeah Mel Gibson. <laughs> back when uh, Mel Gibson was you know, yeah acceptable acceptable character to read a book uh, about uh, it'd actually be a much more interesting book now, I'd say. Yeah, the, I, I feel that you, you get a lot more. You could read in between the lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 you heard of Mel, have you heard Mel Gibson's lovely rants? I've heard the content of us, I haven't actually heard the rants. Oh, so. it's, it's, on, it's on the internet. It's yeah. free and freely to listen to, to him leaving messages for his wife. Oh, and I thought you meant when he got arrested. Okay, no, right. he's, there's a couple of uh, recordings of... Uh, him leaving messages for his wife and wow he gets graphic and insane it's it's terrifying you you'll never watch gladiator the same way again you'll have a lot more fear for what he can do because he he really lets loose Uh, there's a line in it i bend over backwards and put my balls in a knot for you that's a, that's a sentence that stuck with me and i heard that about four years ago (laughs) true love yeah (laughs) I should say while James is working his way through his notes that we're whittling through, that we're in the the parlour and we've got a lovely little room in the back, it's called the library, where no reading is going on and in fact I can't see a single book. There's not one book here at all. It's very disappointing. Um, But yes, the people here have been lovely enough to turn off the music and... Yeah, yeah. The, well, yeah, and put on the Big Bang Theory, which is rather strange. Yeah, the Big Bang Theory is on like a little old TV that looks like it's from the 1950s. Uh, I don't actually think it really is. Something tells me they didn't watch yeah. this in the 1950s. Yeah, they um, would have had TS back then. Yeah, yeah so. Well, uh, oh. <laughs> I can say I don't like it and not be smug, but why would I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so Big Bang Theory is very popular, I just don't find it. That, that, is the, that, that is all you have to say. It is very popular. 
it's, it's ridiculous. That's all I have to say for <laughs> But I remember when it first came out, people were saying, um, it's, it's finally geeks get on TV and mainstream culture. And then I watched it and it was like, but they're mm-hmm. taking the piss out of geeks. Yeah. It's, it's actually just the bullying geeks experienced at school now transferred to a mainstream. I went to QCon, uh, which is an event that happens in Belfast once a year in June, uh, and it is—it's a geek fest. It's a lot like a Comic Con. They have uh, comic stands, games, and that sort of thing. I got my hands on a uh, virtual reality headset for the first time, which was a lot of fun. But they do comedy there uh, every year, and I didn't see it this year. But the last year, the the comedian up—I won't name him because it's quite. It, I don't have nice things to say, uh, right. but he spent a lot of time abusing the, his audience um, and saying that none of us had had sex or had a girlfriend. And right. I, was, I, I didn't know if he was aware that we did outnumber him by quite an amount and sexual frustration can make people violent. <laughs> but yeah, it, that, 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 I feel that, that, that set was a lot like the Big Bang Theory. Has, has he been, is he in any way successful? Or oh yes, <laughs> that's why I don't want to name I want geeks in the future. Oh, okay. Okay. My favourite, well, not my favourite, my mum's favourite part, Mrs Doyle, being there in the middle of the night and having tea ready and when finally Father Ted does come down and rejects the, the tea, rejects the tea yeah. she stays there and then turns the light out on herself which is that that was the part I went oh my god I feel so <laughs> bad for this woman exactly she was way above and beyond yeah. uh, you know there's three of them on the, and the, one of them a complete drunker who might get up every so often to have to go to the toilet uh, Dougal seems to sleep sound until 11 a.m. every morning, and so does Ted. Yeah. Something tells me Father Jack wouldn't get up to no, go to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> he seems he like one of those people that just lets things happen and waits for Mrs. Doyle to come and clean him up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he even bothers to uh, you know roll over and go to the uh, use the potty and use the bed <laughs> like um, piss pot as my granny used to call it. But Dougal, <laughs> <laughs> why are you walking like that? Like what, Ted? Like a crab. All right. Sorry, Ted. <laughs> Dougal, what's that? What? This? Oh, nothing. Dougal, it's an earring. All oh, right, it is all right, yeah. <laughs> Dougal, what's got into you? You can't go around wearing an earring. Ah, no, Ted. All the young priests are wearing them. Father Demo has one. Oh, I see. And did Father Demo give you the idea? Yeah, he's great. What next? I suppose he'll be giving you crack cocaine or something. Crack cocaine? Ah, come on, Ted. <sighs> Dougal is walking in like a crab, as we mentioned before, because he's just got himself an earring. Yes. <laughs> it's not a pierced earring, though, I didn't notice that, which it is just one of the yeah, cliff ones. So, Did you ever do something like that I've, in your younger years? I've never. Never, no, never got an earring or anything, or... I did, I got a stud, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Right. And, and my mum and my dad said that looks stupid as hell. And they didn't say take it out, they just told me it looks stupid. Yeah, and then, and then know. other kids reminded me more and, you know, concurred with them, and then I did take it out. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's, that's what you have to do, you have to go past that, you have to, you have to stick by your convictions, yeah. and then say, and put another earring, double, double down, the other ear. No, I've, I've never had any attract. Well, I've never had any inclination to get piercings. I have wanted to get tattoos, just never really got around to it. It's one of those things. Not the not the earrings, but the tunnels that people get. Those oh, the stretchers. Yeah, they they freak the fuck out of me. I think some of them, some of them are very colourful and they look like they've got a lot going on in them, and I really like those. But some of them are just white rings 
just solely there to stretch the ear and make a hole. Those yeah. don't make me feel. But that, that hole will, will never close, will it? No. So when they're ninety, they'll still have that. They still have to wear those little rings. Yeah, you, that's a good point. And yeah. in about forty years' time, the generation that have got these stretchers and they've become really big, old people are going to look even more yeah. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to this wrinkly hole. Just yeah. Like I remember, like I was playing rugby, and one of the guys had it, and his was actually quite big. It was about an inch in diameter. Uh, so I had to take it out for the rules. You weren't allowed to wear any jewellery. So I just saw this like, oh, that could, yeah, it was just horrible. And then somebody could just yeah. like, put the finger and just rip it down, and that's you fucked them. So obviously, that's not going to close either. No. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean to, what, to what end? Like, it's okay, it's aesthetically interesting for five minutes, but then it, it, is, a, it is a big leap. And to the people that like them, good on you because you're willing to, you know, hurt yourself for your fashion. I'm I'm well believe you'll hurt me for your passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good on you, and I'm I'm glad you like it. I mean, <laughs> people people get them usually aren't at all aggressive. Really. No, it, it, don't, it is a very aggressive looking thing when you see somebody with you know piercings upon piercings. Yeah, like, and you, I have seen people with like you know fifty across their eyebrow and then ten down their cheeks. I have to say, so. some when you see someone with those piercings and they do have them all in, you, sometimes I do just go, that looks really good, but. Then I think you do have to take those out. Some that's it's not practical in life. Yeah. I feel I think it looks really good right now, but I know I couldn't live with that maintenance. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't live with having to deal with that. I can well, barely shave. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to stand at the uh, security desk for twenty minutes just taking those piercings out, just go through the metal detector and I, put them back in again. The other side. I feel like that would be. I, I feel like I should get piercings now because I always have an awful time in airports. I've never been through one without being searched. Really? Yeah. I just. I don't know if it's bad luck or anything, it's just I never have a good time in an airport. I'll be searched and I'll be holding up the plane sometimes and that's the worst feeling. Oh yeah. <laughs> just because they've searched me and then extensively searched me and then I, I'm i the last one on the plane. Oh, shit. And they all look at me going, you're the reason this is. Like, no, it's well, not it's me. Not it's the... yeah. <laughs> but you can't say that to yeah. a, a plane full of people. I'm sorry, it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've held up a few pins myself. Like, but, uh... Intentionally or...? Well, no, like no. in a terrorist capacity. No, 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 no. <laughs> James, I didn't know you that well. well I, went to, I went to Derry Airport one time and I left Oma at like six. Well, I left Oma on the six o'clock bus. Um, it's the first bus in the morning to go to Derry. I'm thinking, fuck, I'm going time here. It'll take me. I'll get to Derry at half seven and my plane's not till you know half nine or something. So I'll just get the quick bus to the airport and I'll have an hour and a half at the airport to get through security and everything. The bus between Derry City and Derry Airport was a little tiny little. Ulster bus that was just going through the countryside picking up people on their way to school. So that little, you know, eight mile journey took about forty five minutes. And as soon as I got to the airport the gate had already closed or the you know security had already closed, so I had to fucking I had to ask Ooh, the plane yeah. hold up to get me through everything. So when you got to that plane you could go, It's not my fault blame the bus service and children. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> really school is really good for anything. The, the, the girl actually said, to, well, after she got the pilot told her friend, she goes, right, next time just get a taxi. And I was ready to fly off hand. I was like, what am I getting a taxi for? Why <laughs> I thought, no, thank you very much. <laughs> it is awful when you find yourself um, in a situation where you've got to deal with someone who's just doing their job, whether it be customer service. Yeah, yeah. And you've had an ordeal getting to that point and you're ready to just blow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, don't do it. It's not their fault, but you want to. Yeah. <laughs> just for your own peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Dougal complained that he's not been treated 
he's getting adult anymore. Because no. he is nearly 26, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh, again, it was, it's taking the... Sorry, what was it? Uh, it's not a junior priest. What is the... Oh, the younger, Catholic Yeah. They are just the children. <laughs> it's just that they're junior in their sort of ministry. No, they've, yeah. they've been only doing it for so long. Uh, uh, well, exactly. See, Dougal and Demo will probably only be out of the seminary in a few years because it's, it's a seven year training thing in the seminary where you're sort of isolated for seven years and you go through all the training and then you're sort of released out to the populace. Oh, I'm clearly. learning about the Catholic Church. That's well, fantastic. <laughs> I feel like I should have done more before I came on to talk oh, about well, Father I Ted. Mean, but <laughs> to be honest, I mean, Father Ted doesn't really go into the Catholic. No. The, they they the use it problem. to abuse once in a while, yeah. but they don't. But like, but like I said uh, last week, like they don't, they don't just fall on a like, just fall on a rant about how stupid it all is and how hypocritical it all is. They'll they just mention it. Yeah. And so that the mention will just trigger people to start thinking about that sort of stuff. Um, so, like, page one of how to be a Catholic is, uh, yeah. <laughs> Right and wrong. Ah, oh, Dougal trying to deal with the concept of right and wrong. That was an interesting moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Dougal, wrong. You remember right and wrong, the difference between the two. Page one of how to be a Catholic. <laughs> Honestly, Dougal, this is very basic stuff. <laughs> what is wrong? Give me an example of something that's wrong. Just, just give me a second, Ted. I, am. Uh, I... Arson. There's one. Murder. Swearing. Swearing. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, um, uh, lying. Well done, Dougal! Yes! Thanks, Ted. <laughs> Dougal, are you all right? I'm fine, Ted. I, I just need to sit down. Seven years of uh, being in the seminary and he still couldn't come up with one sin. Like, yeah, it's just, it feels definitely like Dougal is just there because he bimbled into uh, I don't know how you become a priest and into the seminary, but he just bimbled in and put his name down. Didn't and, really and know what he was doing. Came, just came along for the ride and has been enjoying it for the. Well, well enjoying it. It could not be a better way for people to live his life, really, yeah. because there's no other profession where he'd be sort of that carried along <laughs> uh, in that sort of way, like where he'd just be like the seminary would have room and board and everything, and as soon as he becomes a priest, he has a room and board and everything, so he doesn't actually have to deal with, you know. What's the age limit on this seminary thing? Because it sounds quite good. My I, rent's really sure. high. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I said I've never looked into it. Uh, I say you'd have to be eighteen, but I, you know I do not know. Like. Oh, okay, well, but still, yeah, uh, Dougal uh, trying to deal with the concept of right and wrong. Almost, it looks like it does him physical harm. Yeah, exhausting <laughs> to the point where he has a panic attack. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. Father Ted trying to show him the moral high ground when he believes he's done something. He hasn't. He hasn't stolen the whistle, uh, but he's found it on do in Dougal's jacket. So it's wrong to steal. Stealing is just something you don't do. Right, except you. <laughs> yes, what? But you're allowed to steal. What are you talking about? The money from that Lourdes thing. <laughs> Different thing altogether, Dougal. First of all, that money was just resting in my account before I moved it on. It was resting for a long time, Ted. Yes, but a good long rest. Look, Dougal, we're not talking about me. We're talking about you. He's trying to take the moral high ground, which um, Dougal really quickly cuts him down from by quickly reminding him why he is on Craigie Island. <laughs> that money was resting in my account. <laughs> it was resting a very long time. Yeah. Good rest. Practically cut over that point, The whistle has been stolen, as we know, and it's uh, by an unknown assailant. But we do have a witness who says, hello, father, so we know it's a priest. Yeah. 
No, not, uh, that scene was very. Um, it was very well stylized, and then it looked like a horror film. Like the yes. clearly taken. Uh, you mentioned that in your previous uh, your previous episode. Uh, it would be two episodes mm. back now. They that, that was a horror movie. I, it reminded me a lot of uh, Evil Dead. Evil Dead was actually exactly the one I was about to bring up. It's uh, that's the camera moving like that. Yes. It's, uh, it's a Sam Raimi trademark. Him and Joel and even Hampton Cohen all came up with that when they're making the Evil Dead films, and then the Cohen brothers then used it in some of their films where they had a camera. And basically, what they did was affix the camera to a plank, uh, and just all carried the long running. And nobody had ever thought to do this before, but it gives it a really unsettling. Uh, yeah, it's very jarring business. the way. It, yeah. You feel like you're looking through the eyes of something that's alive. Yes, exactly, exactly, and something that's on, on prey, something that's on the crowd, like sort of thing. Whereas before, you have cameras on the wheels, so it'll be very static and very yeah. steady. This just gives it such a, as I say, unsettling. Absolutely, and Evil Dead being one of my favourite movies of all time. Um, yeah. it was, it was, it was jarring and enjoyable to watch in yeah. such a comedy format. <laughs> exactly, you can take it out of context and give it a whole new meaning with doing this. But I love when the, when the assailant, he grabs a whistle and just gives him a fucking quick <laughs> So clearly, clearly, as we know, spoiler alert, it was Damo that stole the whistle. Uh, clearly, they hit on that picnic area as well and had to ruin with uh, Mr. Benson. Yeah, and his uh, his gym his gym outfits and his ultra active uh, megaphone. He's very much into his work, and he goes into how important that whistle is to him when he comes by Father Ted's. I have had that whistle for forty years. It saved my grandfather's life. Did it really? He did. He was being executed by the British. They had him up against a wall, and they shot him. And the bullets all hit the whistle in his coat pocket and bounced off him. <laughs> God almighty, so he survived. <laughs> no, no, they just reloaded, shot him again. Well, again, it goes back into the, uh, the history of our two great nations. <laughs> the, uh, Something tells me you might have intentionally picked an English person for this episode. I, I uh, this is, this is it's a story. happy coincidence. Because uh, I knew it was going to be in London last week, so uh, oh. I wasn't going to have you for that one. And then next week, I'm going to have Eurovision. I'll do it. Somebody specifically in mind for that. Uh, Marty, who uh, is a massive Eurovision fan, so I want him to be on that episode. So it's just the fact that you're available this week. Uh, it just happened, just happened to, to work. Everything so. nicely fits in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yes. But uh, the English had uh, Mr. Benson's grandfather and ready to execute him. But all the bullets hit off the whistle. Yep. And was, saved his life. It was a miracle. Until they just reloaded and shot him again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's nice hearing, because you do hear those tales, of, especially from like World War II, and I assume troubles as well, where people are saved by something in their pocket yeah, or yeah. just a really unlikely thing to happen and then just slamming it with a lot of reality that they would just reload. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, 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 was the, that was the sort of Father Ted humour of like, uh, setting up the sort of cliche sort of yeah. idea and then just completely pulling the away from you yeah. and just like, no, I just shot him again. <laughs> <laughs> and we have another appearance by John and Mary. Uh, so they haven't actually seen them since the fourth yes. episode of the first series. So that it's been it's been a while since we saw them. And Father Ted walks in where John, or sorry, Mary is washing John's hair in yes. a mop bucket. Some extreme groovy, grooming, some might yes. say. <laughs> there must be some uh, extra special chemicals in the domestos or something that's really getting yeah. the shine through his hair and everything. And it feels like they get a lot of their. Um, not, I wouldn't say pent up aggression because it seems to be quite vocal. Yeah. <laughs> out while they're washing, and it, it, another member of Craggy Island's mental. But as soon as Father Ted walks in, they put on this very thin level of sanity um, until the shotguns comes yeah. out. Obviously, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> 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 
I, I, I feel like the, the whistle being stolen and the way the whole island reacts to it and they do go about an effort of making sure that you know that the island's up in arms and yeah. it's insane reminds me of a lot when I used to live in Antrim right. and uh, me and my friend who is also called Marty used to spend quite a lot of time well quite a few weekends just letting the cows out because we were bored and we were useless so then opening the gates and seeing do the cows walk down. I, I, I do because the locals would go absolutely ape it felt a lot like they it would you know they thought that terrorism was coming next because the cows had gotten loose well, it, some people do really overreact to the small list of things when you do live in a very small town yes, yeah. <laughs> well definitely we'll just say in their defense though that uh, cattle rustling was one of the uh, fundraising tactics of the uh, I feel like you might call the police on me after this is over. This is the man that yeah. <laughs> was letting we those cats out. Finally! <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, the island does get very worried and uh, they start arming themselves to the seat. So there's clearly a lot of. Like Donald Trump would do well here. Yeah, he'd do very well. Because well. immediately uh, John and Mary get themselves an armed shotgun. Uh, we have an appearance as well, uh, for, for I forgot her name, the little old lady who went to I, see. I've got her down as the. Um, Almost normal lady outside the shop. <laughs> yes, well, she she was the one who went to see the passionist in Tibulus. She was declaring that her friend's husband's uh, penis was a bit rounder at the top. Then, uh, yes. <laughs> Did you hear about the whistle being stolen? Yes. I, I was... never thought I'd see the like. What next? Somebody'll be murdered, and then where are we? Drive-by shootings in the night. It'll be like boys in the hood. And then they'll have the bulls selling their wares in the street, and the pimps will be using crack to keep the whores under control. I'm going home now, Father, to lock myself in the basement till they catch that fella. So she's back again, uh, yeah. but she's going to lock herself away because she's afraid of the crack cocaine epidemic yes. is about to, is about and, to fall yeah. And the whores and... Um, the pimps have to keep the crack The drive-bys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get very boys in the hood. Yeah. <laughs> boys in the hood. No, I was going to bring that up, actually, if you ever seen that. Uh, yes, I've heard it. Big fan of MWA. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't around when they were around because, you know, Things weren't all that cool for black people yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I get to enjoy their legacy. Well, exactly. I mean, I, I was sort of a bit before my time as well, and obviously I don't, uh, you know, I'm white and everything. I don't have, I don't have the same sort of cultural uh, touchstones or everything. But those films are amazing. Like, I love uh, Spike Lee and everything. And yeah. but Boys in the Hood, like it's a seminal film, and it's it's it is it's amazing how I I feel that just uh, um, what they are is a gangster rap group managed to make such a big difference in a movement when it's something they they no like no need to do it's, it's yeah. they don't need to do they didn't need to do that and make such a big scene and get the whole world interest, interested because that that can be dropped into an irish sitcom and yes. be understood well exactly yeah i mean exactly like these these kids from like the streets of the Compton, like yeah. absolutely no hopers as far as society had already declared them like and they were able to you know bring this all to the world especially um john singleton i think is the director of the boys in the hood and he's still he's still active and he's still making some great films you know, that's such a huge i think he was the youngest person to ever been nominated for best director for that as well how old was he when he i think he was 25 um, I think it, it might have been a matter of weeks younger than Orson Welles when he got directed, uh, he got nominated for Citizen Kane, but um, neither of them won. But it showed how how you know, monumental mm. that would have been at that time. Like, and it, it 
having, I think, when you mix talent with passion and, you know, good motivations, yeah, you can yeah. get something like a movie like that or a group like that. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose make right a difference. Right off the back of like, Public Enemy had actually shot a light on all this. Yeah. I was lucky enough to see them yeah. last year, actually. Okay, that's right. I was chatting with us. Uh, really wanted to go that Yeah. <laughs> never, never actually went to But uh, anyway, come back to, uh, Ted comes back. Disgusted that the local newspaper has gone uh, a massive tirade with a, a special pull-out supplement on whistles. So they're really on the they're really on the scene here, like they're yeah. the Prague Island Examiner. They've got the roving reporters, and they're they don't let anything slip by them. Exactly. Literally anything. <laughs> I I think that it's shown that so little happens there, especially when the sergeant does come round and so it's not much crime. Yes, that's right. Very yes. to do. I think he's a lot like Father Ted in the way that. He's not a bad. He's done. I feel like he's done something wrong when he was a police somewhere else, uh, a sergeant somewhere else, and this is a punishment for him to go somewhere where there's no crime. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you are, if you are like really determined, like if you go join the police force, determination of like you know making the world a better place and to try and stop crime and you know hopefully you know making his life a little bit better, to be stationed in a place like that would be so destroying, yeah. really, wouldn't it? I mean, there are there are obviously police people or police officers who just wanted to lie back and just have to deal with you know somebody broke my window, yeah. you know somebody TP my house. That car yeah. in day, uh, tax yeah, in day. Exactly, but if you do have a you know a natural a feeling or a calling that you want to make a world a better place, like that would be absolutely. It does seem like a little bit of torture for him, and when the whistle does get stolen and the. Uh, the spree begins, or as he's well, seeing it, yeah, the spree he, begins, he takes measures. <laughs> yeah, he clearly gets a budget upgrade because he, he just hovers in the helicopter for no reason, just to say hello. And uh, I don't think you need to go that high in that helicopter. I thought he was, was he not taking off? Um, I, I, I just uh, had it in my head that he'd yes. gone to get something from the shop in a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, that was right, now he got us not. All right, he was just actually, taking yeah. advantage, uh, advantage of this one crime that had happened yeah. and he'd somehow gotten a grant for a helicopter. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose, well, I wonder who he asked for, so he's probably the, you know, the chief of the constituency, like, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, if anything, the island's going a bit mad here. The one yeah. thing they need is a calming influence of their parish priest, so what, what, what's Ted doing? He should be... He should be putting all this in perspective, not just, you know... Ted believes they're blowing it all out of proportion, and... But he needs to tell them that. Uh, well, when they're waving a shotgun in your face, he... he really yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. uh, you would struggle. Uh, but eventually, um, after having his talk with Dougal, he's greeted by Mr. Menton and the sergeant. Um, and he tries... He's put in the precarious position of trying to explain that he's just a whistle for a very brief time before Dougal arrives back. And Ted has such a little, he, I, I do think he's a bad person. He has very, he does not care for the people of Craggy Island. But I think <laughs> it's probably the Ned Flanders sort of Reverend Lovejoy situation at that point where he's just got, oh God, not another one like you. <laughs> I, I, I do, I, I don't think he's that much of a bad person because I don't know many that could put up with that kind of behavior from a whole island. And, yeah. <laughs> and try and you know help them and calm them but um, when they do come in they do have a brief discussion with Ted about they don't suspect him at this point but uh, they would suspect I believe they suspect Dougal until the way he sent away who, who suspects Dougal? Uh, Mr. Benson and Sergeant well they know it's a priest yeah. uh, and they're asking to have any confessions so oh uh, yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> it, I mean it's all sort of narrowed down to three potential suspects in their eyes because 
they wouldn't really know the I wouldn't say three because it seems like Craggy Island is absolutely chock full of priests well they all seem yeah. to be out there yeah for just a wee bit of a knees up like yeah. it's that's probably the one place they can get away with it like if you're you know if you're supposed to part of a virtue yeah in your little town you can't really go on the last or anything whereas if you watch a Craggy Island is, is it the priests Amsterdam Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we know from the Sergeant's previous experience that a lot of rock stars and stuff come out there for their peace. So it's a bit of a resort or a yes. it, and Or more of an unmonitored wasteland. Yeah. Where you can get away with it because there's no one wants to be. Well, exactly. <laughs> the, 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 the administrators or yeah. uh, you know, people holding people to account. Mm-hmm. Mr. Benson has struggled through this ordeal and um, is now wheelchair bound. But the shock, the shock has affected him particularly badly because he's lost, not only lost the feeling in one of his legs, not even both of them, yeah. but he forgets which one it is. Yeah, he's lost his memory and, the, and <laughs> feeling in a leg, which him, he quickly reminds himself which. Yes, by, by taking uh, the sergeant's baton and uh, summarily he's hitting himself in the wrong leg with it. <laughs> and then uh, sergeant does show that Mr. Benson isn't lying and gives him a good old whack in um, the other leg, which is, those are the moments I remember as a kid just thinking that is the funniest thing yeah, I've it, ever seen. It is, yeah, it is so crazy, like it's so off the wall and like it genuinely isn't something you would have seen in other sitcoms at the no. time, like not even, not even something as crazy as like Red Dwarf or anything, like it would, it was something you only really see in, in Ted. I wanted to go and just call the Jack a little bit because we've, we've we have sort of overlooked him. overlooked him in this episode and I think this episode's really good for him because it shows how funny he can be and what the people that have written the work for him to the, the, the scenarios he's in without moving a single muscle. Yeah, <laughs> Literally. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, all it requires is a camera pan and a change of props and Jack is now the funniest person on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> well, it starts off when uh, Ted's trying to sneakily put his bottles of wine into the basket. <laughs> It's not drink, Father, it's just fizzy water. Jacob's Creek Chardonnay, 1991! Just one little tap with his muscles <laughs> and he comes to identify Jameson's Chardonnay. <laughs> he gets the picnic table and he puts his bottles out and he picks up his cheese and goes back to the bottles. They're empty. Yeah, it's such a simple, simple thing to do. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and Jack's very happy in the background after somehow getting two bottles of Jameson's or well, sorry. Uh, Jacob's Creek. Jacob's Creek. Yeah. <laughs> Two very different drinks. Well, that'll have to go on the drinks camera, actually. Jacob's Creek. Charlie. Jacob's Creek. Yeah. Oh yes, you're running the tally. Yeah. <laughs> how extensive? How extensive is that at this point? Uh, well, it's not too. It's not too full so far because I did it. I will have to go back to the first couple episodes just to see to fill up a few things. But what we've got so far is Vicks nasal spray, Jack Daniels, the toilet stash, the hidden tube of the hidden straws that he's got in his jacket. We don't know what that was. The Castro DCX, the window lean, and the powers in my uh, Jacob's Creek. Now, if that wouldn't kill you, I would say maybe for your finale, you should get yourself a drinks cabinet of that stuff and drink that. But that would that would most certainly kill you. (laughs) They were playing Street Fighter 2. Yes. Hugo and uh, Demo. Um, a game I haven't played in quite some time. I've never really got into it. But it's a massive cult game. I'm. It, I, it was. It would have. It would have been really main, It would have been very main. The game back yeah. then. It would have been before my time, but it would have been the game to play in but, an arcade. Yeah, well, it, it was. Sorry, I, I must there. It's a cult game now. Yeah. But back then, it would have been like. See, I was always in Mortal Kombat side of things, but Street Fighter 2 was massively, massively bigger than that. I was very well parented, so I wasn't allowed Mortal Kombat unless I was at my cousin's where I could play it as much as I liked. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, we didn't actually go through Father Demo very much. Uh, when, no. <laughs> when they're playing uh, their Street Fighter, uh, Frosty calls. Father Damien, uh, Father Frost says you're to go home. Your tea is ready. <laughs> Tell him I'm not going. I'm having dinner here. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. Hello, Father. <laughs> uh, no, he's staying here for dinner. <laughs> um, uh, Father Damien, Father Frost said you're to go home immediately. Shy! Did you tell him I'm having dinner here? Uh, yes. Well, time to fuck off then. <laughs> Father Damon lives by his own rules, though. I feel. <laughs> I feel this is something I may have said, not quite in those words, not probably not swearing, but while at a friend's house. Yeah. When yeah. I was, you know, being a twat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Force of you. Yeah. It's cringeworthily funny because you know you may have done that. Yeah, like, exactly. That feels yeah. like a really. Really God, similar you, 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 <laughs> but again, he just he gets the the child, the arrogant child in him perfectly, and Father Ted doesn't know what to do because that's an adult. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah he, Ted Ted's sort of taken aback by his, his abrasiveness, and you do get that sometimes with uh, you know new teachers and stuff, and they actually deal with a troublesome child. Yeah, and uh, you're like, oh, okay, I'll just do what the child says. Yeah. Just filter the horrible language, and clearly Frosty's on the other side of the phone. But just tell him to get over here. <laughs> but uh, Ted finds a whistle in Dougal's jacket inside a cigarette case. Now it is quite no, it is quite pointed that Ted. Initially, it's more responsive that he thinks to was smoking. But Father Ted does smoke. He does smoke, but do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, and then when he sees the whistle, I mean, you can sort of imagine Ted's conclusion. Is yeah. Like, oh, okay. This it's it's pretty good. Yeah. obviously off the rails already. Yeah. Um, having very strange dreams about Carol Vorderman. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yes. <laughs> I'm not Richard Whitey. <laughs> Uh, put your clothes back on, Carol. Yeah. Oh, concentrate. So, was he back then? Carol Vorderman wasn't considered a sex symbol as much as she was, you know, ten years later. Really? Uh, yeah. She was just sort of, just she was just a, a girl on TV who took the numbers up and just did the numbers and stuff. Father Ted comes to the conclusion. Demos take him off the, the the nice path he's had. Dougal on, and he's stolen the whistle. Probably due to Father Ted's comments when they come back, when he comes back from his picnic, I wish picnicking. Yeah. I wish someone would steal that guy's whistle, or someone should take it from him. And he was about to say, I think he was about to say, I wish someone would take that whistle and shove it up his arse. Yes. <laughs> but when uh, somebody, see, be careful what you wish for, because when somebody actually did do that, uh, the whole time went into, you know, proper address. It, but <laughs> yeah. But uh, just as he's about to confront Dougal, he, he takes the whistle out and just said, do you know, he's about to ask, do you know where this came from? Uh, I'm going to hear what Dougal said. But before he does that, they're interrupted uh, by, by the sergeant and by Mr. Benson. So he sends Dougal out on the most, uh, bizarre. Yeah, the most bizarre errand he could possibly come up with, which was get the shears. If uh, I came into somebody's house and there was two people there and one said, go get the shears, I'd be extremely nervous about yeah. it. What's You're what's indoors, you, those are only a weapon indoors. Yeah, yeah. There's not too many hedgerows around here that he's tipping, is there? But to, to be fair to be, really, he gets them very quickly. Yeah, he's very efficient. Yeah. Like, where have they been stored? We know it's a massive house uh, and they have lots of spare rooms. Yeah, yeah. One room entirely dedicated to toys and, and board games, as we discussed. But, uh, and now a console yeah, as so well. Which you know, console, they're coming into the future. What, which console do you reckon it was, by the way? Because it had joysticks. I, I didn't recognise it at all by the controllers because they were translucent controllers. It was either like a special edition or something, think, yeah. or a knockoff of something. I think I think it may have been oversight across the party. 
because through the events Street Fighter 2 which was yeah, Mega that Drive I think that would have been a proper controller yeah and it, it, I think it was like just you know those knockoff you, you can play three games yeah. you can play three games on it when you plug it into your TV sort yeah, of thing yeah it's already pre-built up yeah. it might have been something like that but you know Brendan is now a major like video games ambassador almost uh, like um, hence the IT crowd and all that sort yeah. of uh, accurate sort of cultural uh, fandom and stuff I think that may have been an oversight on the part of them but the other thing was clearly the two actors never had uh, ever played a yeah, game never before never played a controller in their lives before because Dino's just sitting there they've got a proper claw thing going on with yeah. it uh, their fingers are contorted all around the controllers yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but we can forgive them I think you know we're trying to pick holes here we're trying very hard well. <laughs> I, yeah. d- I don't. I feel like the prop department will, aren't you know, going to write back to us if we if we write well, to them now. We, give them, uh, we have actually given them a, a full, uh, you know, a full appraisal last week. So Is it an appraisal or a rating? Uh, no, it's a, it's a positive appraisal. Oh. And I mean, as I said, I was mentioned before, like the props and direction choices are always yeah. pretty much spot on. Like even even like the little quiff that demo has with the wee sort of patch of white. Yeah. Now I don't know if necessarily they were going for this, but it did remind me of uh, Boyzone, one of the members, Shane Lynch. Yeah, that so sort of bad boy image. The uh, way uh, the, the way his jacket is slightly too big for him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've got yeah. it all down. He's not he's got every part of uh, that stereotype or that character down from yeah. the props. His jacket's slightly too big. He's not got his shirt tucked in, it's not ironed. He's yeah. a scruffy no good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so they've come in. Uh, Jiggle's gone to get the shears. Uh, he's returned briefly, uh, quite quickly. Well, the first thing I want to ask is why did Ted instinctively lie when they came in? Because I think lying. Ted has Ted. I I I was talking. I thinking about this on the way down. I don't know if Ted was wanted to protect Dougal, uh, or he knew it was in his pocket, and that there was no way he could make it look like it wasn't him and blaming Dougal would just yes. make him so I wasn't sure if he was trying to be a good person protect Dougal or just trying to protect himself because there's no way to explain it out of your own pocket well all well, I had to say I mean this goes back to the light hole thing that uh, the sitcoms do again they, they sort of go against this, the sitcom trope here but I mean all he had to say was I was just getting to the bottom of that and I'm just about to ask Dougal you must five minutes and I'm just going to reach out with Dougal here and we'll figure out what happened yeah. instead the instinct is it's to lie just get, get Dougal out of the way and then come up with this really really complicated story when Dougal says oh you've got the whistle I was just about to tell everybody why I stole the whistle I know father no no no, no, no. I've been dying to get it off my chest ever since I stole it Ted shh Dougal 15 years ago I met a young boy an orphan both his parents had been killed in some sort of bizarre accident involving trees that is, a tree fell on them. <laughs> they were both crushed. This young man, this young man had nothing to his name. Nothing except a dream. Ted. Shut up, Dougal. That dream was to own his own stable, with prize-winning horses in every bit of the stable. But tragedy struck. He was afflicted by a strange disease that affected his speech so that he could only communicate by raising his eyebrows. Once for yes, twice for no. <laughs> if only I had a whistle so that I could train my horses to win the Grand National in the Derby, he thought. That boy, that same boy, wrote to me just five weeks ago, asking Ted, me if Father I could... Damien took the whistle. Oh, great, that's that sorted out, so... I was, I was very interested to hear the end of that story. Yeah, exactly. Going, yeah. Only five weeks ago, this little boy, he had a dreams of this whole training family a horse to the Grand National. His whole family were killed by trees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right, a tree fell on them or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wonder, yeah, exactly, I wonder where he was going to take yeah. that, because surely, you know, he will eventually run to somebody who's got a 
ridiculous knowledge of Grand National winners. Like, How much horse was it then, Ted? Uh, I don't think that was the system. biggest hole in that story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he goes off and comes up with this massive uh, confident story. All the while, Dougal, uh, Father Frost, and Father Damon have already got to the bottom of the situation. Yeah. But Father Ted's instinct that I is just rubbed off on Dougal. Uh, Father Damon tried to pin the blame on Dougal. Dougal goes, "Oh, well, it was my fault for stealing it." But it wasn't so. Yeah. It's just instinctive lying. Yeah. It, 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 Father Ted is really the bad influence yes, on him. Father exactly. Demo is. <laughs> Demo's just showing him a different way, yeah. a different path not taken, but uh, Ted doesn't. Frosty's investigation is very more successful than uh, Ted's. Yes. So he actually got to the bomber very quickly. Very quickly, just grab the ear and all the truths will spill out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truth shall spill out. It'd be an interesting way to do confessions. Um, just grabbing the ear and tell me actually what happened. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't resting your crown. Was it Ted? Was it? Just twisted apart. <laughs> Dougal does try and bail him out of it while he's telling the convoluted yes, story yeah. as well. Like, no Ted and just repeated shut ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he does. He keeps trying to chime in and just say, Ted, we've got to the bottom of this. But Ted, could be quite Dougal. I'm going to roll here. It'd be quite before I lose my train of thought. So if you had just listened to Dougal in the first place, you would have been fine. Yeah. My biggest highlight from the end is I thought it's not the it is the last words said in the um, episode. What Dougal learns? Yes. yes. <laughs> Did you learn anything today, Dougal? Not a thing. No. <laughs> so and just one other thing, I did want to bring up for the picnickers. Uh, they called it yeah, fuck off, you bloody predophile. Predophile, yes. So uh, they were. That almost sounds worse than pedophile. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But they were addressing again what was becoming uh, an underlying sort of truth that was bubbling to the surface. I think it was a lot more effective that they did just do it in those jabs. And yes, exactly. They yeah. didn't do a whole episode on it because that might have. It would have been true on the nose. Yeah. And again, it's hard to laugh if. Yeah, it's it's, you know, it's, you so know, children, child abuse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, I don't remember it myself, but clearly there was. This was all starting to bubble through the surface. Yeah. But still, Bishop, the Bishop of Galway, who, whose only crime is having a baby with consenting adults, uh, he was the one ostracized from church. He was the one kicked out of the Catholic church. Whereas the rest of them were just moved from parish to parish, moving away somewhere. It's certainly in any tight knit circle or group of people. Once you are so tightly knit and so widespread, it, it literally in any group, company, or anything, you will believe you can get away with things that you wouldn't think otherwise. Yeah. And the worst of the worst will go to that group because they think they can go. To well, exactly. Yeah, and it, if if you have that predatory instinct, yeah. you will look for the place where your predatory instinct can be sort of safe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, we'll wrap it up actually, but. IMDb give us an 8.2 8 out of 10, so it is actually one of the higher rated episodes. Uh, and as, as I said before, it's, a, it's definitely one of my top five, well, top five contender. It may I actually be quite high in top five. Surprisingly now. enjoyed it. I, it was because it was an episode I haven't seen in so long. It's not one I've seen on the telly. Yeah, repeatedly. It, somebody did mention that before that the same three or four episodes seem to be repeated ad nauseum on more four more on Sunday nights. You think that they do have twenty four episodes? Yeah. Think you like try and Mix it up a bit. But um, I suppose they'll just adhere to demand. <laughs> well, I mean, if you, if you tune into Sunday night, you're just about to go to bed before your Monday morning. And yeah. On. If you tune into Father Ted, you're not looking for a specific episode. There's no episode you turn it off. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, but if you've seen if you've seen the same one the last two weeks in a row, you're not going to watch it again. I mean, but it is but one that has been sheltered and 
has so many fantastic moments for so many characters from uh, Mrs. Doyle remaining downstairs forever and <laughs> Father yeah. Jack's amazing abilities to steal booze and tell what it is <laughs> yes exactly exactly uh, yeah. the, the two picnickers the Mr. Benson himself the sergeant I suppose we should finish it the same way they finished that episode did you learn anything from this? Uh, no <laughs> <laughs> I have learned I probably shouldn't come to a crowd of to do a podcast though uh, <laughs> the, all these noises <laughs> through. I, don't, I don't actually know if they're bleeding through I don't I'll be interested to see um, because it only picked up maybe halfway through but it was really quiet until maybe about 45 minute mark. <laughs> uh, but we'll wrap it up there and I just say that, yeah, another fantastic episode. And thank you very much for, for coming all the way down to the partner for us. No from, problem. All the way from Lisbon. <laughs> the Vermilion in Lisbon will be uh, having music nights hosted by myself in the coming months. I didn't mention it at the beginning because there's no confirmed date. And again, the courts falls. Please support us on Facebook if you can't make it down to Lisbon. It's the last Friday of every month and we'll always have some good acts. Fantastic, yeah. Well, uh, you can give us, if you get the new dates, we'll give us on the Facebook page. We'll post them up there, facebook.com slash ecumenicalmatters. Uh, again, we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, so it's a rating and review, subscribe to us, and tell your friends, that's the most important thing. But, like, we are starting to get a bit of word of mouth now. But uh, thanks very much for listening and bless you.